Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today, we have with us Mr. Jordan Hisham. Telling from a small town in Vermont, Jordan graduated from West Point and currently serves in the Army. He aims to use his wealth generated from real estate to serve as a force for good, fueled by his faith in God. Having led the acquisition of over 100 properties with the company, Jordan also led the acquisition of a $3 million hotel in Chattanooga while simultaneously owning many personal properties. My Tennessee Home Solutions has completed $10 million in transaction volume in the last year with $1.2 million in revenue. They are on track for $3 million in revenue this year and plan to continue to scale their business to the commercial space. So let's give Jordan a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. So, Jordan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to have you on. So, yeah, I mean, I really, really like your background, Jordan, and reading about you. So, um, yeah, before we jump in, why don't you give the audience a little bit about your background and um, how you got to the point where you are current? Totally. Yeah, I always give the the icebreaker when I'm in a new group and and they ask to talk about where you're from and what you've done. So whenever I talk about my background being from Vermont, I say, you know, there's three things that Vermont is known well for, and that's Bernie Sanders, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and maple syrup. And um, I kind of claim fame to all three of those growing up with my extended family running a, a maple syrup farm. Um, ben and Jerry's, the actual Ben being our neighbor on the farm, and then Bernie Sanders, who nominated me to West Point when I ended up getting into the military academy. So that's about all Vermont's known for, but that's where I've grown up. And honestly, uh, the more I've left home and the more I've seen the world, the more I've come to appreciate that small little nook in the world. And, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in uh, a relatively small town in Vermont. And knew that I needed to figure out how I was going to pay for college and go to college. And that's what attracted me to the military at first. When I started looking into the military, I I realized that it was not only a way to help get me into college, pay for college, but also had a guaranteed job placement, 100% job placement after I would graduate. And and then with that, the scholarships that would come from it and just such an awesome purpose. and being able to serve the country. And so all that combined, I was super attracted to West Point, probably from being a freshman in high school and had my eyes set on going to West Point. And in fact, like it was the, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was the only college I applied for. And um, before that, I I enlisted in the National Guard because my grades weren't as good. So I wanted to bolster my application showing West Point that I had military experience. So I enlisted in the National Guard and that was awesome. But 
I actually didn't end up getting in the first time. And I just remember it was so devastating. I was like sitting in my basement bedroom and just hearing the admissions guy tell me that I wasn't accepted was just the most crushing thing. And I, that's when I was like, how I need to get as far away from this place as possible because I was embarrassed. And I was like my high school graduation speaker and had done well in high school. So it was like, now I'm not going to college. What the heck? And so I went to, I remember Googling like five minutes after that call, University of Hawaii coming from Vermont. I Googled University of Hawaii, like admissions and how I could get in within like the week. And so I went there for a year, reapplied to West Point and then got in the second time. Thank goodness. And I mean, for me, it was like, I was going to go no matter how long it took. And so I, I did, I, you know, I, I worked hard to improve my grades, get really good grades in college and make sure my application was strong to get accepted. And then when I did get there, I was just so hungry because I had already had the opportunity slip away. And I just, it was like a kid in a candy shop with the opportunities there and soaked it all in, took advantage of everything, traveled everywhere, did as much as I could. And like, that kind of was the catalyst moment in, in my life as far as my growth journey and my mindset was like getting there and being able to change the trajectory of like my life, especially being first generation college in my family. It's like, that was what it, I knew that's what it was going to take. And I, I didn't squander the opportunity when I got there. So it was, an, it was an awesome experience. Very cool. And I would imagine when I hear University of Hawaii, I just think, you know, it's Hawaii. So is the university, comparing University of Hawaii to West Point, how, how big of a contrast was that when you, you transferred over to West Point? Yeah, that's funny. It could have been opposite. I mean, I was going to class barefoot at times, coming from the beach and <laughs> volleyball versus West Point. I had full uniform on and it was perfectly ironed. So I went from no clothes to to the the most uncomfortable wool outfit you could imagine, which was a stark contrast. And same on the discipline side was just, uh, you know, a complete free spirited lifestyle and versus a regimented strict discipline lifestyle at West Point. But for the better, I mean, sometimes that accountability is uh, is uncomfortable, but it, it forces growth. You might be forcing it via brute force, but it works. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I mean, I, I think West Point is probably pretty intense, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, the, the accountability of always having to be on, always being challenged, always being pushed, always being around a group of high performers, those are some of the components, I think, of growth that, like, that made me realize how, how important they were even once I left. Okay, and, and then you left West Point and you ended up um, in the Army in Tennessee, correct? Yeah. At first, I went to the United States Army Ranger School and because I was an oh. infantry officer. So I did Ranger School and and then infantry officer training to become uh, have the initial fundamental skills to be an infantry officer. So I was at Fort Benning, Georgia for about a year doing those two schools. And then and then at my first duty station was in Fort Campbell, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, which is the 101st Airborne Division. And, and so I've spent my entire four years 
um, out of my five-year contract, you know, one year is training and then four years is at your duty station. And so I've been in, in Tennessee for that duration and it's just been a blast. I've had just an incredible time being a platoon leader, a mortar platoon leader and operations officer. And like really, really have just developed so many cool leadership skills that I think are going to, are going to help me out in the long run, big time. Okay. You completed Ranger school also. Yes. Yeah. That was the, that was the first thing. That's how I spent my summer after West Point graduation was oh, crawling man. around in the, in the, in the woods of, of Georgia and the swamps of Florida. Yeah, that's hardcore. I mean, and I hear, um, so I know there's only one guy that did the SEALs and the Ranger training, and that's uh, David Goggins. Well, apparently he did the yeah. SEALs and the Ranger training. And I hear you guys don't have really have an affinity for each other. So I, when I read his book, I was like, wow, that guy just must be a beast. So yeah, I did, yeah. I did it. I didn't know yeah. you completed Ranger school either. So yeah, that's a whole that's a whole another level of mindset right there to get through that. Yeah, no, it's uh, just being pushed to a point where you know you you don't think you can do something, but then you come out on the other side, and it turns out you can. It's just such a confidence booster. So yeah, talk about that a little, Jordan. So talk about you know kind of the challenges of how you were pushed, like I think, I mean, I would I would imagine Ranger School, they pushed you beyond any limits where anybody think they could go. How, how did you use your mindset to push through and come out on the other side? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think there's a few components and they apply to business and, and just life in general, but the the main components to me are like having a clear purpose and vision which, which was a big part of me for Ranger School. And then being surrounded by a group of people who are, have those similar goals. Um, and, then, and then number three is just, you know, just pushing through the suck and, and getting to the other side. It's just that grit. But the first one is, is, was important to me is like having a purpose and vision was like, like why, when you're in this shit, like you need to remind yourself constantly why you're doing it and what it's for because it's usually for something bigger than yourself or for a greater purpose, or there's a net positive event at the end of it. And so that for me, it was like when I was laying and it was downpouring and I was pulling security, I remember just writing in my notebook, just like all the things I was going to do in my life to look forward to. And like how, how my Ranger tab was going to like contribute to that as far as my growth in the army and beyond just the confidence. So I was always thinking about like my vision for my life. And then like, and then with that in context, it's like, Hey, I'm talking about these big things I want to do. So now looking at the small thing that's Ranger score, just the small thing that's pulling security right now to get through today. Like this is nothing in the grand scope of things for who I want to be. And so I think dreaming big and, and focusing on that vision was a big part of it. And then Number two is the accountability is like you're around a bunch of dudes who are in the same situation as you that want the same thing. And so you guys push through together. Obviously there's, there's bad apples or there's people that have bad days, but when you're around a group of that, that level of like caliber of people that are that motivated and physically and mentally fit that want to push through and, and work together to get the, get the result, graduate ranger school, finish, finish the course, then it's easier to, to push through on weaker days because there's, you know, 10 other guys standing on either side of you that are, are going to help carry the weight or 
we're going to say, hey, let's go. Like We're moving out. And so that accountability is crucial. And then the last piece is just like, you know, is just having the, having the grit to be able to just suck it up and push through. I mean, like nothing is easy that's worth it most of the time. And so that's part of it is just there's no – there's no excuses, complete ownership. It, just make it happen. Take action and make it happen. That's the that was the third piece for me. And and really those three pieces apply through through West Point, through Ender School and in the business world too. It's like having a vision, um, you know, ensuring accountability and then taking action, make it happen. So it it's it's a similar pattern and, and trend that I think has has been a part of the I guess, leading principles of my life. Okay, awesome. And how, how did you initially become interested in real estate? What, what attracted you to, to the industry? Yeah, that goes back to just the purpose and vision I had for my life. I think I've always just had big ideas or, or um, big goals. And being in the Army for five years, I knew I was in for five years because I was the minimum contract after West Point. And so I was looking at my goals. I was looking at my paycheck and I was like, hey, this this doesn't add up. Like in order for me to do the things I want to do after the army, I need to start making more money. <laughs> like right now, I need to start building this, building this, building a business or generating revenue from other streams besides the army, you know, W2 paycheck. And so that's when I just having a lot of mentors that were successful and looking around and saying, you know, who do who do I admire? Who do I want to be like when I'm out of the army? And I could pinpoint a few mentors. I'm like, they're just incredibly like God loving people who are doing good things in the world. They're making money. They're making a difference. They're close to their family and they care um, about about what they're doing. More importantly, they're aligned with who they are and where they're going. So looking at mentors and seeing that the common thread was always real estate. I was like, okay, uh, it sounds like real estate's the, the way to go then. And also being in the army, it's really the only way to like make other money. Cause you're not allowed to have another job, but you can invest. And so investing is a way, you know, to obviously make more money than just, you know, maybe stock the stock market and returns from mutual funds, but be more aggressive and, and, you know, create value from, forced appreciation as you, you know, flip a house. And so I saw that and just simply that, you know, started listening to bigger pockets, podcasts, reading the books, talking to people, going to masterminds and conferences and, you know, followed the, like the standard path that, that everyone says to do house hack, right. Save money, uh, flip a house, wholesale house, you know, work with a partner, try a few things, get an Airbnb. I did all that. I tried a little bit. I figured out a niche. I partnered with the right people, um, scaled it. And and now here we are. So it's, it's like the, it's like the thing I always say that I've heard many times is the secrets to be a billionaire with a, a six pack are, are on the internet. They're, they're out there. Like you just got to follow the steps and take action and be patient and be, you know, be de- dedicated towards it. It's like, everyone's done it. You just follow the steps. And it sounds, I mean, you said something key. I mean, you created the partnership. So t- talk about that a little. T- how important was it for you to partner with the right people? Did you have any experiences where you had bad, bad 
bad partnerships or bad experiences with the wrong people? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, it's like either someone like people outgrow each other or just interests diverge. Like the the direction partners want to go in life um, change over time, and then when they change, so that the delta is so large that they're completely making different decisions, then it's hard. And I've had you know I've had good partnerships and bad partnerships. I like even the bad partnerships I've had. Like I still love the people. It's just as business partners, we had a different vision or or different decision matrix that didn't allow us to work together successfully. And so like in my, my first business partner, but it was like all needed my first business partner. We were needed to, we we're sitting there on a desk cold calling next to each other. And like, if I was doing that by myself, getting rejected over and over and over again for days on end without someone there to like laugh about the people cussing me out on the other, other phone, like it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been fun to do at all. It wouldn't have been like, I wouldn't have been able to push through, you know? And so that, again, going back to accountability is like having someone there to push you to enjoy the experience with and and to grow with each other is important. But yeah, we went separate ways because we just had different goals in life with what we wanted to do with real estate. And so I eventually stumbled upon like my current team and, and we're just very aligned and very intentional too about, where we want to go. We always talk about our three-year vision for our lives and our 10-year target for where we want to be and, and how real estate fits into that. And and so, yeah, we might go separate ways someday, but at least we're going to, it's it's not going to be a surprise uh, most likely because we're so clear on like where we all want to go and why. And, and it's all a little different, but we we can backwards plan so that the business model fits with our lifestyle and in our direction and our path. So that way, you know, we can still like act in alignment together. Okay. Awesome. And, and, and so building up your business, I mean, you've, you've led the acquisition of over 100 properties, also an acquisition of a $3 million hotel in Chattanooga, and you've been building your own personal portfolio as well. And how, why did yeah. you, choose, you chose the name Tennessee home solutions? Um, do you plan yeah. on keeping that company and remaining in Tennessee? What are your plans for the for the company after you finish the military? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We the, my Tennessee home solution is is definitely here to stay. We're we're like growing in in Middle Tennessee, and it's cool to see us continue to scoop up more market share. And as we increase our branding and and really provide um, just a great product, and that we we offer solutions to to clients and customers and homeowners. And, and we do so in, in a like, values-driven way, we get results. So we'll be in middle Tennessee for the long term and continue to build out the business there. Um, in the meantime, as over the years, we're, you know, we're looking to add a, a se- separate entity, which is fixed bayonets group equity management. And that's going to be focused on the commercial real estate side. That's going to be focused on acquiring um, value add real estate in the commercial space. So whether it's hotels, apartments, um, or, or commercial buildings like offices to be able to then renovate and, you know, lease out, refinance and either exit via sale or, or long-term hold. So we can get our investors higher returns and, and continue to create passive cash flow. So, you know, that's the standard, the standard, the big dogs eventually make their way to the commercial space. It seems like, and, and we're no different that we want to maintain 
our, our finger on on the single family business because it's a really good brand that that we built and it's really going to always it's always going to be able to to provide value and successful so there's no reason for us to to end that but we can build out systems and and hire out a team eventually where we can mainly focus energy on the commercial real estate side which is which is what we'll do and so you know for the next year or two where i'm really focused on building out my tennessee home solution to be in a spot where i can step out and it can continue to to flourish and and i can transition all of my focus instead of some of my focus to the commercial real estate space okay i mean so it, it sounds like you guys have definitely transitioned your your side hustle into a formidable entity so talk talk with me about the kind of mindset it took to accomplish that while simultaneously keeping your duties in the military and all the other distractions out there how yeah you, how no, that's a good question that yeah that's a good question i think it's it's ever changing but first and foremost for me it was it was really important to always maintain my commitment to the military and i've always like made sure you know the mission goes first mission is always first and so i still you know commissioned as an officer in the army and, and still serve the country as as an infantry officer so it's important that i still like go to work and and do my best and and execute my tasks there and and inspire and lead soldiers and then and then right now when i go home at night the difference is instead of watching Netflix or kicking back and having a couple of beers, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's like, that's when I fit in the time to, to execute commercial deals um, and, and real estate and talk with people and go on mastermind calls and zoom calls. And, and then on weekends, it's the same. We always have our, our weekly meeting on a Sunday because it's the only time all of us are free being active duty military. And so on, on Saturdays, we have our strategy calls on Sundays. We have our weekly pulse calls on Monday nights. We have our current deals calls and like again it's like it's just when you have a clear vision on where you're going to go and, and the right people around you it's like it's almost like hard to not follow the path because it's it's so it's it's so clear and it's cut out for you so yeah i think a, a lot of the mindset piece is about having like the big ideas and then and then the people around you to to enforce the that you take action on them because um, you know, a lot of people come and come to us and say, Hey, oh, I want to be a real estate or I want to, I want to like, I want to be rich. Like we, we'll give them a few tasks and we'll never hear back from them. It's like, they, you know, it's just the idea to them. It's, it's so much more than that. And, and the other piece is like, just having the right mindset too, is like, for me, I've always had a counselor to help me understand like how I operate and how I navigate relationships and, and how my childhood has, has shaped me into the man I am today. And then a performance coach as well, where I'm really able to dig into my goals and, and the steps I'm taking to, to follow that glide path. So I've always been like super focused on the, on prioritizing like the self-actualization journey and being able to better understand myself and what, why I'm doing what I'm doing so that I'm in alignment with where I'm going. And so that has been helpful for me to go home at night and, and do real estate or, or, you know, or um, invest or do things that usually I'd be relaxing after work because I, I just, I feel like I'm in, I'm in such alignment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody has the same 24 hours in their day, right? It's what you do with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, another piece that is always here, like, like, oh, like, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. Like, I still sleep. I think for me, I don't do well when I'm not sleeping enough. So I, I still sleep like seven hours a night. And, and it's not like one of those, I don't know, one of those gurus who can tell you how to get three hours of sleep and you can operate just as well or, or like, oh, just like Elon Musk it and you don't need to sleep. You'll sleep in the office. It's not, it's not like that at all. I still hang out with friends and family on weekends and, um, and have a great relationship with my wife and like, and, and do things that I enjoy, but there's a lot of gaps in there that mm. I just, I just feel with, um, value add time instead of, uh, wasted time. So I think, I think that's, that's the difference. And, and knowing what I need to do is like, it makes it easy. Like if I'm, if I'm like about to go watch Netflix or do real estate, it's hard for me to enjoy the Netflix knowing that like I have things I can do that can provide value and, and like serve as a catalyst for growth rather than just like sit down and watch something for, you know, another TV show. Okay. Excellent. And Jordan, talk about some of the systems and leadership needed to run a business, in your opinion. Yeah. For us, it's unique because we're virtual. So we enforce kind of what we call like hyper accountability. And, and maybe it's not healthy for most businesses that are in person to do it, but we just rely so heavily on like few touch points a week that we have to like basically granularize our our efforts so that we can divide and conquer without without too many touch points and by that i mean like we have every single task possible like written out in excel and there's a person assigned to it and for each week and, and we call those lead measures which a lot of, a lot of people use um and so we just have our lead measures very, very specific and again, assigned to each person. So in a given week, like I'll have 10 lead measures that I know that are crucial for the company's um, like critical success factors for the company's uh, component of the flywheel that's going to keep turning us in the right direction. And so our our systems are mainly like our battle rhythm of meetings that we do on Zoom. Um, we, we do quarterly retreats in person, but then the rest is all virtual. So we have like a Sunday pulse meeting where we identify, discuss, and solve key issues. On Monday, we go through like our current deals and, and talk about how how we can get deals closed that week or the next week. And then, and then on Saturday, we have more strategy calls, like our market marketing strategy. How can we get more leads? What are we doing to generate leads? How is our sales process? Um, we you know it's listen to each other's calls and. Um, and, and audit each other and provide feedback and join masterminds. So the, I guess the biggest thing though for the systems is the battle rhythm of meetings. And then number two, the accountability that's, that's found in our lead measures where at any given time, I know like when I go to that weekly pulse meeting and we pull up the scoreboard, like if I didn't, if I didn't complete my lead measures, then like everyone's going to look at me and say like, what the heck, man, like you're failing us. And so we all have that across the board where, um, we have to pull up our lead measures on Sunday and show everyone what we did that week down to the, like the minutia tasks um, that were critical for the success of the company that week. Oh, that's awesome. Man. I love that. All right. Very cool. So let's, um, 
let's jump into the lightning round now and uh, see what uh, makes you tick. One second, let me get it here. So yeah, what what book or books, Jordan, have greatly changed your life? On the business side, I would say um, building an elite organization. And it's like a combination of three books. It's a combination of traction, four disciplines of execution, and um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Those on the business side that I would say is, has been uh, the most life-changing. Okay. And that third one is one of my favorites as well. Good to Great. I love that one. Yeah. All right, and how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Well, I, I think I talked about it when we started, but mm. when I didn't get into West Point the first time, which in my eyes was a failure, I I just turned that into motivation to like make sure it would happen the second time. And, and then when I eventually went to West Point, it was just – so much more hungry than maybe I would have been the first time because I had seen the opportunity slip. And so I was more grateful for what I had. And that's where the failure is just like served as a catalyst for focus. All right. Awesome. And Jordan, if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? It would probably say take action. I'm just, my my number one Clifton strength is like the catalyst, which is like action taker. And I attribute anything that goes well to me just taking action and figuring it out. So many people, I think, spend a lot of time thinking about what to do or how to do it. And ultimately, for me, it's just you got to do it and it's going to happen. It might take a few times, but it's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, things seem to once you just take actions, things seem to magically fall in place, right? You meet the right people, the right opportunities, but then those don't appear until you take action, right? And I think a lot of people like, they try, they try to have everything planned out step by step from beginning to end, but that's really not how it works, right? Right, exactly. All right, and if what is a habit or routine that you love? Um, for me, it's morning gratitude just no matter what happened the day before what kind of mood i'm in just i guess setting the precedent for the day with a, like a positive and optimistic outlook it comes from gratitude exercises is like incredible i mean there's very few things that can alter your emotions no matter what and gratitude is one of them absolutely i 100 percent agree and Jordan, do you have a favorite place you like to think big? Yeah, it's it's on my it's I, and for the army. I have to wake up at like four forty five to be to work for PT, and so and I live in Nashville, so it's like a, an hour drive to work. And as I'm driving, and I have have a cup of coffee, and and it's a straight drive on the highway. So like that's my time is that hour in the morning when there's no distractions and my mind's fresh and and I can just think about where I'm going, what I'm doing in the big picture and in the small picture, what my day is going to look like and how I'm going to make it happen. Okay, excellent. 
And what have you become better at saying no to? Mm, I think people. I think, like, as I've grown in the last couple of years, there's, like, an abundance of people coming for, I guess, feedback or ideas or help. And it's overwhelming because if I were to say yes to everybody, I wouldn't have any time in the day. And so, you know, figuring out what's what's really meaningful, what people really, really need help and, and being able to say no to people that I guess um, are superficial or, or maybe not looking in the right direction in the first place. Absolutely. All right. And one more, I'm going to let you, before we let you hop off, this one might be kind of deep. So what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Well, on the on on the deep scale, just the just the salvation of God and the the promise of eternal salvation. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that most people disagree, but I would say a lot. I think it's hard to it's hard to have faith in such an abstract or um, difficult concept. And for me, that's what drives me. And and I'm always love talking to people about it. But I know not everyone feels the same way all the time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, very cool. Yeah, I like to throw that one in. That's one. Uh, that's one that Peter Thiel likes to ask a lot of people when he's he's chatting. So, all right, very cool. So, so Jordan, if anybody wants to connect with you, collaborate, or contact you, what what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, I would say Facebook, just Jordan Isham, or LinkedIn, same Jordan Isham, and my email is Jordan at Outlook .com. So either of those three is totally fine. All right. Awesome. All right, Jordan. So yeah, it was amazing having you on today. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, look forward to continued uh, contact and collaboration with you. Look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Likewise, brother. Take care. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the Books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves. <laughs>